I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I've spent years, huh? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Running in the wilderness, but nothing could have prepared me for the swamps of Louisiana. Local hunters had been disappearing, vanishing into thin air. And it was my team's job to find out why. We were confident, even cocky, assured that our skills and experience would see us through how wrong we were. The bayou was like another world, a maze of stagnant water and twisted trees draped with Spanish moss. 
The air was heavy, the silence only broken by the occasional croak of a bullfrog or the splash of unseen creatures beneath the murky water. We began our search for the missing hunters, unaware that we were heading into the lair of something unimaginable. We found the first sign on the third day, a boot half sunk in the mud, still warm. It belonged to one of the missing hunters. That's when we felt it for the first time, a prickle on the back of our necks, the sense of being watched. As we delved deeper into the swamp, that feeling grew stronger. It was on the fifth day that we finally saw it, a creature, massive and terrifying, its eyes glinting in the dim light. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before, a grotesque combination of reptile and mammal covered in thick mottled scale. It moved with a surprising speed, disappearing into the undergrowth before we could react. The game had changed. We were no longer the hunters. We were the hunted. Our numbers dwindled as the creature picked us off one by one, our weapons seeming to have no effect on it. It was a nightmare, a waking nightmare. In the swamp was its domain. In the end, it was just me and the creature. I could see it circling me, its eyes glowing in the darkness. I knew it was my due, or die moment. I had to face this monster and put an end to the terror it had unleashed upon the swamps. Adrenaline coursed through my veins as I steadied my rifle, taking aim at the creature's menacing eyes. It lunged at me, its jaws wide open, and I pulled the trigger. The shot rang out and the creature let out an unearthly screech before collapsing to the ground. I cautiously approached its fallen body, my heart pounding, my breath ragged. It lay there, motionless, its twisted, grotesque form, a testament to the terror it had wrought. I'd done it. I'd killed the creature, avenged my fallen comrades, and put an end to the nightmare. But as I reached out to touch its scaly hide, the unimaginable happened. The creature's body began to fade, like mist dissipating in the morning sun. Within moments it was gone, leaving me standing in the swamp, wildered and alone. I searched the area, desperate to find some trace of the creature I'd just slain, but there was nothing. No blood, no tracks, no body. It was as if it had never existed. I returned home, haunted by the events in the swamp. My friends and family listened to my tale with disbelief, but I swore it was the truth. I knew what I'd seen, what I'd fought, and what I'd killed. But without the body, I had no proof. The swamps had swallowed the creature, just as they had swallowed the missing hunters. The mystery of the Louisiana swamps remained unsolved, and I was left with the chilling knowledge that somewhere out there the creature might still be lurking, waiting for its next victim. A friend and I saw something several years back. It was very thin, and its skin looked as if it had a full-body latex suit on. Very shiny, bone structure in its face, but no eyes or orifices. You could see the ribs. Head was elongated, and fingers long and pointy. Had a peculiar-looking gait to it. This was late at night, and the creature was directly under a security light in my friend's backyard. We had been sitting quietly in his truck. This thing walked up, not noticing us. Maybe fifteen feet in front of us, directly under the security light. 
My friend screamed, and it jumped and faced us. It then took off towards the woods. We had been gone for a while and just sitting in the driveway, chilling before we went in. We had actually pushed the truck to the house because we had ran out of gas right before we got back to his house. We finally got brave enough to run into the house, but the door was locked and he didn't have a key because he never locked the house. Then we go around the house to try to get through his bedroom window only to find that it was open. Not only was it open, but the screen was wadded up and shredded on the ground. Anyone have any idea what this thing could have been? This was in 1996 or 97. I've never been able to figure it out. Late last night, my daughter, 21, her friend, 21, and I, 43, had spent the evening at a drag show in Galveston, Texas. After the show, we decided to drive down to the beach for a few minutes before we headed home. The beach we usually go to was kind of a far drive from where we were, and it was almost 3 a.m., so we decided to pull into a beach access that we had never been to before. I pulled in and drove around in a circle to shine the headlights in a 360 so we could kind of scope out the area before we got out. I parked next to a trash can, kind of close to the dunes. As soon as we got out of the car, I felt a heaviness, hard to explain. Just something felt weird, and my intuition was to get back in the car immediately and leave. I wish I would have. I didn't find out until later that my daughter and her friend had the same feeling. There was no moon, so the only light was from a few beach houses on the other side of the dunes. I keep a huge button flashlight slash taser in my car, so I grabbed it and we walked down to the water. Suddenly, out of the corner of my eye, I saw my daughter's friend turn around really fast and look back towards the car. She had heard a sound coming from the direction of the dunes. She grabbed my flashlight and pointed it towards my car, and she and I both saw something standing right up against my car. Neither of us were exactly sure of what we were looking at, because it seemed to fade away when the flashlight hit it. It's so hard to describe, but it was like you could only see it in the edge of the light from the flashlight. Like it only existed between light and dark, I grabbed the flashlight back and shined it directly where it was standing, and it was gone just kind of disappeared. It was very surreal. This heaviness that I felt when we first got there was suddenly unbearable, and we all knew we had to leave as quickly as possible, but we were all kind of frozen in fear. We slowly made our way back to the car, but as we got close, my daughter and her friend saw the same figure crouch down next to the trash can with its back facing them. It was eerily silent as we ran to the car, jumped in, and sped off. It was complete silence in the car for a few minutes until we got down the road a bit. Then I asked if they wanted to talk about what we just saw, and we all just collectively freaked the absolute F out, tears, and everything. My daughter only saw it from the front for a split second, but her friend and I looked directly at it, and we both described exactly the same thing. Judging by the height of my car, we estimated it to be at least six feet two, six feet five. It was very tall and slim. It had a human shape, but the face was just kind of blank with two black spaces where eyes should be, like the eyes were there, just really sunk in. 
Its face kind of had the shape of a long Gandalf-type beard, but it was fleshy, not hair. It had really long arms, one of which was resting on the top of my car on the back passenger door. It seemed to be wearing what looked like a robe, but it was part of the creature, like his flesh was in the shape of long robe sleeves. No hands, just long fleshy flaps. It was just standing there, kind of slouching, like it wasn't standing up all the way. And it just stared blankly at us, almost through us. When I say a heavy feeling, we could physically feel some sort of presence as soon as we had gotten there. I personally have never felt so much anxiety, fear, and terror in my life. I have no idea what the F we saw, but there is definitely a lingering, wary feeling through my whole body since it happened that I can't seem to shake. My daughter says she feels the same way. Every time we talk about it, we get chills. I'm super bad at drawing, but I tried my best to draw what I saw. I was with my friend I'm going to call Bane, going through the woods. Now let me trace back a little. This was in this big forest that stretches for miles with an entrance around the block from where I used to live. I saw and heard all kinds of scary phenomena in that woods. One time I was walking through with band, and when you first get into the woods, there's a path to the right that's blocked off by a fallen tree. If you go to the left, there's a little left there's a little hill that goes down now. There's two paths to go. The one on the left leads to a forest with denser trees, and the one on the right has the same trees all the way through. If you go to the right, there's two more really long paths, probably about a three or four minute walk, but you can still see to the end, one on the left. And on the right, the time before I heard a baby crying coming from the left. I didn't even get to go deep into the woods this time to be scared out. I thought I was tripping. At first, I thought it was the tree, and my eyes were playing tricks on me. But I squinted my eyes and saw whatever this was was really moving, and the reason I thought it was a tree was because I could see through him. It was a man wearing a brown hooded cloak or robe. He was transparent, walking left to right, faster than humanly possible, but he would only walk two or three feet before turning around and just doing it repeatedly. I ran out fast as heck, LOL. Anyways, about the Wahila, it's a big giant white wolf, kinda like the Wendigo. It can shapeshift, but the white wolf is the main form. One time I went down the left path and out of nowhere, from the right I see a giant white wolf. It jumped out from a bush and made not a single noise, but this creature is said to kill. It hopped back into the bush and just disappeared. It didn't even scare me. Whatever this was gave me vibes of goods of good like it was looking out for me or protecting me because I mean it didn't attack me. Except my friend didn't see the same thing I saw. After we had run out, he told me he saw a giant white creature standing there on two legs. I told him what I saw and he dismissed it telling me what he saw. So we saw two different things. Was it a Wahila or do y'all think it could have been something else? What do y'all think the brown-robed man was? I need names for these cryptids or phenomena because I need some kind of explanation.
Last Saturday, the 17th of December, at around midnight on Industrial Ard, near where I live in Moriah, Pennsylvania, my sister and son were driving back from dinner and shopping. They both saw a jet-black, upright, wolf-like creature the size of an outhouse, eight-plus feet tall, run across the road in front of them. My son said the moon was bright and three inches of snow were on the ground. He said it looked human-like. He also states that it moved extremely fast as it ran across the road in front of them. This is a road located about one mile from Frackville, Pennsylvania, and nearly two miles from Moore, Pennsylvania. My son said that it howled. Thought you should know. As a seasoned hunter, I've heard countless tales and accounts from my peers, but none were as chilling as the one I discovered in the dense Amazon rainforest. I found a diary belonging to a fellow hunter, a man who met his end in an encounter with a creature of the shadows. Here is his story as he penned it. Day one, I've made it to the heart of the Amazon. I'm here, not for the jaguars or the anacondas, but for something far more elusive. The locals speak in hushed whispers of a creature that melds with the shadows, a phantom that has claimed many lives. I intend to track it down to bring it to light. Day five. I've seen it. Just a glimpse, a flicker in the corner of my eye. But I know it was the creature. It was like a living shadow, fluid and quick. The jungle has become a game of cat and mouse, with me as the mouse. Day seven. The creature is not just elusive. It's deadly. I found the remains of a jaguar today, torn apart with a violence that made my blood run cold. I've hunted many predators, but this creature, it's something else. Day 10. I've realized that to survive, I need to outsmart the creature. I must use everything I know about the jungle, turn its traps against it. I've set snares and pitfalls, hoping to catch it off guard. Day 15. I can feel it closing in. The shadows seem darker, the silence more oppressive. I know it's watching, waiting. But I'm ready. If it's my fate to die in this jungle, I'll make sure I don't go down without a fight. That was the last entry in the diary. I found it next to a makeshift camp, the ground torn up and stained with old blood. The hunter didn't survive, but his story did. His words serve as a stark reminder of the dangers that lurk in the shadows of the Amazon and the creatures that are better left undiscovered. So to begin, this story happened back in 2018. I arrived in this small rural town near Cape May in New Jersey. The company I was working for at the time was sending me out to go door to door advertising cable and Wi-Fi that they wanted me to sell. I was getting weird vibes all throughout the day as the town itself was very small and a bit creepy with people staring at me or giving me the cold shoulder for the entire day. It seemed like a lot of the townsfolk that I encountered that day were on edge and it was a weird, tense atmosphere that I shrugged off as people are weird all the time. I continued doing my job, chugging a Red Bull to keep me going, which didn't affect me at all surprisingly. Besides the weird atmosphere, 
The scenery was actually quite pretty once you got off the main road. I had to stop at different streets, and some were in the woods on long and seemingly beautiful endless road. It was quite scenic. Just before sunset, I was scheduled to visit a few houses on a small peninsula. To get to this peninsula, you had to go down a very long road, past a summer camp area, past a trailer park, past the woods, and then you finally find yourself in a small open area with a bay marsh, a couple small, expensive houses, and sure, access. The houses were so close to the water it seemed to be a code violation, but I'm sure they were built to withstand storms since they looked so expensive. Every house had its own meme, and the area was mostly deserted. Only one house had someone inside whom I had talked to after knocking on his door. I was so distracted looking at the houses and scenery that I didn't notice how fast sunset was approaching. I came to the realization that I should start heading back to avoid being alone on that long, deserted pathway in the woods. As a smaller female, I'm never comfortable after dark in isolated places, especially without cell service. I was making my way down the path, so far so good, as it wasn't completely dark yet. As I approached the wooded area of the road, I was walking a bit faster, since there were no street lights and the sunlight was rapidly disappearing. As I walked at a decently fast pace, I noticed something. The woods were eerily quiet. All the life that I was hearing before was gone. No crickets, no birds. Just pure silence. I stopped in my tracks and got chills down my spine as I felt the feeling that I was being watched. I looked around the dark woods for any sudden movements and then, like clockwork, something up ahead made its way out of the tree line. It looked to be some type of large animal. My brain went into overdrive, analyzing whatever this animal was. Was it a bear? A dog? No. It looked like a large dog. But dogs don't get this big. Though I was intimidated by its large size, whatever it was hadn't noticed me. Even though I was scared, I also didn't want to walk back and go into that one man's house. As a woman, I would rather take my chances with a wild animal than be alone with a man I don't know in a deserted holiday neighborhood. Suddenly, as I was thinking this, the large animal in the distance finally noticed my presence. It was observing me, not entirely sure of what to do with me. There wasn't enough light anymore for me to see the animal's face, but I felt unusually frightened. Whatever I was looking at was definitely too big to be a black bear with a shoulder height of at least five feet on all fours, which is comparable in size to a brown bear. The mass of this creature was extensive, as the outline of what I could see looked like a wolf on steroids. It was very muscular. I also noticed that the outline of its face was very similar to that of a German shepherd, or a wolf, as it had perked ears and a long snout. In the heat of the moment, I could only hear the sound of my heart palpitating as fear and adrenaline started to crawl their way into my bloodstream. It felt as if time stood still, and then it dawned on me. What I was looking at wasn't a normal animal, and it was simply too big to be any animal that I could recognize from New Jersey's catalog of fauna. And if it wanted to attack me, I would be powerless against it. It was simply too big. Though, to calm myself down, I threw the idea that this creature was out of the ordinary out, 
because I felt like this could be rationalized somehow. I made my brain go back to the idea of this being maybe a large dog or a coyote. I also did not believe in cryptids and was completely unaware of what size coyotes are supposed to be, so I made a quick decision. Realizing that this could very well be a life-or-death situation, I came to the conclusion that this very large dog-like creature was probably a skittish coyote that I could scare off, at least temporarily, to calm down my nerves. What other choice did I have? The longer I kept standing there, the more aggressive I might come across to this animal, and I didn't want it to get territorial or get the idea that I was easy prey. So I decided I would make the most hideous, loud, confusing, and startling scream howl I could muster and just print the rest of the way. After I screeched this hideous sound out of my body as hard as I could, the animal quickly changed its body language to defensive, but then it quickly changed its mind to deciding I wasn't worth a fight as it ran a decent distance into the woods. Not too far, though. I decided to sprint as fast as I could pass that area and beyond. I sprinted until I reached the end of the road and noticed there was a summer camp area with street lights near me. I rested on top of a table there, out of breath and feeling my heart pound out of my chest. However, I was still very shaken up and still felt like I was being watched. I kept my eyes on the tree line. My eyes were darting around, looking for any sign this animal was still there. Once I felt like the coast was clear, I located the next house I was scheduled to visit, and I quickly made my way over. I met a nice family who ended up buying cable from me, and I told them what had happened to me that night and how I was treated by the local. The lady of the family, who I presumed to be the mother, said I don't know why they sent you out here alone. These woods are dangerous after dark, and never are creepy people who live around here. The impression she was giving me was that there were animal encounters she couldn't explain, and that there were lots of ex-convicts in the area, and people who should have been arrested but haven't been. She was equally concerned about the people as she was about the animals around this place. This gave me goosebumps. How many times today could my life have been taken? They were extremely concerned for my safety and told me to contact my team leader so I could get picked up. They said they didn't want me to go outside again and that I should call it quits for the night and not make it to any other houses. To this day, I still have no idea what creature I had encountered. There are strange things in the woods, things people don't speak about or cover up. I felt like the townsfolk of that town knew something about what I encountered. So weird creature I encountered in those woods. Let's never meet again. I grew up in rural British Columbia. One time, my parents and I were out in the middle of nowhere picking Saskatoon berries on the side of the highway. My dad had gone further into the woods to take a leak or maybe to find a better spot, I guess. This guy in a shiny black car pulled over and started talking to my mom and I. I remember he was very charming, wearing really nice clothes with his hair slicked back. I'm from a small town where people wear plaid and camo together, so this seemed weird. The guy asked us about what we were picking. 
then said he had berries too and offered us some. Later I thought that was weird because it was just a regular grocery store carton of blackberries. He kept chatting for a bit, more talking at us than with us. My mom, I think, was trying to be polite. But when my dad came back, the guy just messed right off. I hadn't thought about this for years, but thinking back, that is creepy as hell. If the guy didn't have some ulterior motive, then why would he drive away so fast? I mean, either way, if he was just trying to flirt with my mom, the middle of nowhere is not really the best place to do that. This is more my sister's story since I slept through the whole thing. Her boyfriend lived three doors down. She was coming home late one night and noticed the garage door was open. She thought Dad left it open. He's forgetful like that. But then, as she approached, she could see the door leading to the house from the garage was ajar. That doctor slammed shut automatically. It's like on a spring or something. She ran back to her boyfriend's place, thinking we're getting robbed. He grabbed his baseball bat and started towards the house. Why he didn't just call the cops right away? I don't know. Let's blame the teenage hormones. He was nearly at the house when a man comes out of the garage and sees him. He bolts between the two houses. He would have had to hop the two tall fences to clear the yard and get to the wooded ravine behind our house. He did it fast. They woke my parents, who had enough sense to call the cops. They came and investigated, but the guy was long gone. Turns out he had used my shoe to pry the house door open. Nothing was missing. Me and my parents were in the house sleeping while he just snooped, maybe watched. I slept through the whole thing. Cops and all. Sis told me about it the next day. Fast forward a couple years later. A successful army pilot is arrested for murder. This guy was a pilot for our prime minister, Canada. He started with breaking and entering in our part of town. No stealing, just snooping. He lived one neighborhood over. He eventually escalated and was caught. I'm convinced it was him. If my sister had been 15 minutes earlier, who knows what he would have done if he was caught in the act. In Wyoming, my co-worker and I were doing a survey miles from any road or property, and I spotted a couple of big rocks that had been laid against another rock jutting out of a hill. This made a small cave shelter big enough for a person to lay down in. I walked around the other side of it to see inside. It was blocked with a tarp, but I could see some bags and boots in there. After taking some pictures prior to disturbing anything, I removed the tarp and found in a frame backpack, pink hiking boots, and a black duffel bag. The A-frame backpack had nothing inside, and neither did the hiking boots. The black duffel bag had a big black jacket directly inside, probably to protect what was underneath. Under that was an old early 2000s laptop and charger and an early 2000s camcorder in a name pocket. Underneath that was a bunch of camcorder tapes labeled things like 2013 stories and New York experiments. Then came a yellow folder full of letters to various people and a shit ton of driver's licenses. I didn't look at all of them, but they were all of different people, and the oldest I saw was a CIA license from 1976. 
At this point, I'm kind of scared, but also there are two zippered pockets remaining on the duffel. One on the right and one on the left. The right pocket held more letters and licenses crammed into the pocket. I moved those aside and found a hockey mask, like a Jason horror movie hockey mask. The left pocket held a black ski mask complete with eye holes and a mouth cut out. Inside the mask was a smartphone and charger. Underneath all of that, a Nan Glock and boxes of bullets. Frightened my co-worker and I hiked until we got service and called the land agency law enforcement. I was rather nervous I was going to get in trouble for disturbing a crime scene or something, but they seemed very bored by the whole thing. The next day we hiked out with law enforcement to show them the whole thing. I put everything back before leaving and they boxed it up, thanked me, and said, well, this is the weirdest thing I've seen. This was less than a year ago, and I really want to know what happened with it all. I had a bizarre experience about two years ago near the Three Sisters Mountains of the Mackenzie River area in central Cascades of Oregon. I was camped at a lake we had packed to next to a closed Boy Scout of America campsite. We were definitely alone as we had special permission to be there from the Boy Scout of America and it was off season. It was in May and the snow had finally cleared in most spots and the weather was warming up. Anyway at dusk there was a long series of high-pitched gruff buzzing whistles that we heard adjacent to camp. We had camped close to shore bellow a rise that overlooked the lake in our camp. The sound echoed around the lake and were fairly loud. Only three of the six of us heard it. It moved slowly along the bluff back and forth for about 45 minutes. A friend and I went to see what it was and it would move off away from us as we would get closer to the source. It stopped shortly after dark, however it resumed at dawn and got very close to camp. When we felt comfortable to investigate, there was no sign of any kind along the animal trail that traversed the ridge. There was a cross path that cut through a thicket that had been recently used by animals. We are all veteran hunters, trackers, and woodsmen, and none who heard it could say what it was. It definitely wasn't elk, frogs, or crickets. It was unlike anything we had heard previous or since. Does anyone know of any reported sightings in that area from 1998 or 99? How about any known bird or animals that would make this sound? I am trying to remain objective about this and not brand it a Bigfoot encounter and have been thinking about it for the last two years. My name is Kirk. Me and my fiancé, Sean, were camping up off of Ben Smith Road, August 1-2, 1998. Sunday the 2nd, we packed up camp by noon and headed down to the Wilson River to cool off a bit. It was very hot. We drove down off of Ben Smith Road, going east on the Flats Road that follows the river. We crossed the river to lay in the sun. We were there for 10-15 minutes when I saw someone or something downriver about 45-50 yards, swaying back and forth with its head down the whole tank, while also moving up and down river with no problem at all. I didn't think much of it at first, but when Sean got up and moved to the middle of the river, it spotted us. 
froze and then glared at us. Then I moved to the middle and didn't take my eyes off of it. It moved to the right of the river in some bushes, somewhat hiding, it seemed like. Then I knew something wasn't right. It had big hair and long arms. It didn't act human-like at all. I couldn't make out a face, just eye socket. I wondered what it was wearing winter clothes for when it was 90 degrees outside. They were not clothes. It had reddish, blonde-like hair and was about six feet tall. I've hunted and fished up at Lee's camp for years and have never seen anything like it before. After we got home that night, we talked about it more, leaving us with a strange feeling. We know what it was now, a female yeti, The sun was setting as I patrolled the deep woods near the Grand Canyon. I'm park ranger Jane, and the silence was broken only by the sounds of rustling leaves, the occasional chirping of a bird. I was well versed in the local wildlife and the legends that surrounded the area. However, nothing could have prepared me for what I was about to encounter. As I walked along the trail, I felt an inexplicable sense of unease. The hairs on the back of my neck stood on end, and a shiver ran down my spine. I had heard stories about the Wendigo, a terrifying creature said to roam these woods, but I had always dismissed them as folklore. Suddenly I heard a guttural growl from behind me. I whirled around, only to find myself face to face with the Wendigo itself. Its gaunt figure towered above me, antlers protruding from its skull-like head. Its eyes were dark and filled with an insatiable hunger. I was frozen with terror, unable to move or even scream. In the blink of an eye, the Wendigo lunged at me, tackling me to the ground. The force of the impact knocked the wind out of me, and I struggled to catch my breath. I could feel its rancid breath on my face as it leaned in closer, ready to claim its next victim. But just as quickly as it had appeared, the Wendigo vanished. It seemed to dissolve into the shadows, leaving me alone and terrified on the forest floor. I scrambled to my feet, my heart pounding in my chest, and grabbed my radio. I desperately called in my colleagues, my voice shaky as I recounted the attack. They rushed to my aid, but when they arrived, there was no sign of the Wendigo. I could see the skepticism in their eyes as they listened to my story. Despite the very real terror I had experienced, they dismissed it as nothing more than an overactive imagination. Determined to prove the existence of the Wendigo, I led my colleagues deeper into the woods, hoping to find some evidence of the creature. We searched for hours, but found nothing. No tracks, no broken branches, no signs of a struggle. As night fell, we reluctantly returned to the ranger station my colleagues still unconvinced. I knew what I had seen, and I knew that the Wendigo was still out there, lurking in the shadows. I vowed to continue my search, to prove the existence of the creature and ensure the safety of the people who ventured into the deep woods near the Grand Canyon. But as the days turned into weeks and the weeks into months, my resolve wavered. The Wendigo remained elusive of its presence haunting my every waking moment. I could not forget the chilling encounter, and I could not escape the nagging feeling that the Wendigo was still watching me, waiting for the perfect moment to strike again.
In these hills and hollows, I'm not surprised often. You fall into a rhythm here. The longer you spend, the less things you see or hear around truly surprises you. One animal that always surprises me is a cat. I was nine when I realized that my mom's barn cat always ate the heads first on mice. I was eleven when I realized all cats do that, big and small. I was walking up the headwaters of a tributary of Elk River. Elk River is a wild stream. It boils, rolls, and digs deep the holes that incur the full wrath of that river. The streams that feed the elk are steep fast and cold most of the year, but in August everything heats up. Big trout escape the warming water by sneaking up any small streams, not dried up, and eat any fish or creature they can fit it in their gullet. Seriously, I caught a brown just over twenty yard, half a mile up a gully, in a stream you could stand on both sides. But I digress. Me and a friend used to catch a ride with his older brother, a log truck driver, he would drop us off at one of those tributaries in the morning and pick us back up on his last trip of the evening. Only thing he would tell us, watch out for rattlers and have you ass beside the road at five or you walk in a slaty. So with a sack lunch and fishing poles, we would take off into the shadowy hollers. Me and Nub was leapfrogging up this long rocky creek, catching brookies in every hole fishing towards lunchtime at the head of the stream. I got a little away from Nub in a long, steep stretch of unfishable white water leading up to a set of falls. As I finally found a piece of land flat enough to rest above the falls, I looked around and I see something off about this laurel thicket. Limbs bent the wrong way. Leaves turned up like it was broken. I walked closer and it looked like something grayish-white hanging way up in the tree. Nub finally caught up to me, bragging over the roar of the water how he, he's caught and released, over 47 on this stream, and how there ain't no trout above those falls, and why do I always climb up and fish past them on dead water, and he seen me standing there, surprised. Nub stopped, caught his breath, and asked me why the hell I was staring at the sun. I said, shut up and look at that tree. What is hanging from it? We walked closer and it looked oddly familiar. That's when I realized it was deer hair. Hell, that's a deer carcass hanging up in that tree. An old one, but a carcass just the same. We couldn't figure out how it got way up there. It was close to noon and we was a long way from the hall road. Let's eat lunch and start making our way down. I popped a can of Beanie Weenies and dug out a Bologna sandwich, and Nub pulled out two cans of pop and handed me one. We sat thirty yards away from our conversation piece and ate lunch. After we satisfied our growling bellies, we sat and rested for a few minutes. Nub stood up to go wander off and take a piss. How you reckon that deer got up there, he said. Hell, I don't know Nub. Maybe it climbed up there and died, or something dragged. It... Up there, I stood straight up. Nub, you ever knew a bear to drag anything up a tree? Why would it? Nothing is running a bear off a whole deer on the ground. Not coyotes, not hounds, not another bear. When he turned around, I could see the fear all over him. 
We silently packed up lunch, broke down our poles, and commenced to get out of there as quickly and quietly as we could. We made it back to the hall road an hour before his brother was coming out and left an arrow pointing out made of sticks, so he knew we started walking out and to catch us on the way, and then it started to rain. We were halfway back to the old mill when I heard that old tri-axle rumbling up the hall road. We took shelter under an overgrown iron tree beside the road, not like it mattered, and waited for him to catch up. We climbed up in the truck, stashed our gear, and told him what we saw as he drove us out. We stopped at the mill to unload, and Nub's brother told us to come on. We have to talk to someone. We told our story to an older gentleman who worked at the mill, and he drove us back down the hall road and marked that hollow with a pink ribbon. Years later, I found out that old man was a farmer, and he had been losing sheep for years. In finding them hanging in the treetops, young calves too, we had stumbled into the hollow that Cat called home. What he did to that cat, I know not. I don't want to know. But we never fished anything that ran into the elk until I got old enough to handle myself. Never unarmed, and never alone. That was my first experience with big cats.